Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Optimal Startup Daily, episode 1030. It all starts with recruitment and make or break a manager's role in developing others, both by Martin Fenwick of altruist.co.nz. And welcome back to OSD. My name is Dan, and I am your host and narrator with you every single day, reading from these great blogs on entrepreneurship. And typically, I read one post, but uh, every now and then we find two that are on the shorter side, and that's what we've got for you today. So let's hear from Martin Fenwick and optimize your life. It all starts with recruitment by Martin Fenwick of ultras.co.nz. I had a great chat with a client in the people development function of a large NZ institution the other day. He'd been charged with looking at their approach to performance appraisal. Given some recent changes in style by some big global experts in this field, I asked what he was thinking. One point he raised was the number of organizations that quote the massive investment in training managers that their new system required. Most of that training was about how to run a good appraisal. I made the comment that being good at an appraisal was largely a function of attitude and willingness to run the process constructively. He said, I've always said everything starts with recruitment. You can't train attitude. So we ended up talking about recruitment being undervalued and almost transactional in many organizations. And that meant the skill of exploring attitude with candidates was largely ignored as a result. At this point, he revealed his second piece of wisdom. He said, handing over recruitment to the owning manager sounds good, but it's failing because recruiting is a specific skill. I dwelled on this off and on during the day and found myself thinking that the evidence for his view is all around us. How much is wasted on recruiting people with skills that are lost due to attitudes that could have been surfaced at the vetting stage? How many senior people move on to more senior roles when those around them know they are a bully or control freak, power crazy, or self-interested? I have also personally delivered leadership training to people who have said they aren't interested and it's all nonsense, as you just need to quote-unquote tell people what to do. And these people were in roles managing other people. So we often recruit people with bad attitudes at worst or the wrong attitude for the role at best and then expect to train them up to compensate. Most of us know that good attitude can compensate for lack of initial capability. Yet time and time again, qualifications and experience rank highest in recruiting exercises because they come first in the advertising of the role. Years in similar roles is particularly interesting, as a colleague of mine who supports organizations to recruit once said, quote, Very few of us, when asked to give a reference, will be 100% honest, particularly about failings. So you've got to dig, and when you do, the skill is listening for the pauses. End quote. For the last year of Ultras, we've been providing many of our clients with our 91-day report as an analysis of potential candidates in the recruitment pipeline. As part of this report, we help the client explore the questions they need to ask to understand if the risks associated with an individual candidate are real blockers. The more clients use this report, the more they find that focusing on the big attitudinal risks is the most revealing. Yet still, many recruit specialists report back to the owning manager saying, 
I'm a good judge of character, and I think they'll do fine. Only to find that a few months later, there's a need for, quote-unquote, some coaching support. And let me tell you, it's impossible to write a recruitment wrong by coaching. Looking at the cost of recruitment in many organizations, maybe there is a big prize to be had if those handling recruitment in-house were senior, experienced, skilled in digging for attitude, and most importantly, empowered by the manager to find them the right person. Make or Break, A Manager's Role in Developing Others Also by Martin Fenwick of altris.co.nz In a recent blog called The Finished Article, I talked about the tendency for many senior people to think that training and development is for others and not for them. Engagement in personal development is an interesting topic for those of us who operate in that space, who are constantly searching for the Holy Grail, a program where 100% of the new concepts are taken up and actively used to 100% of their potential. The 100% of 100% is, for me, the ultimate measure of any full-scale development program or short training module. And one of these days, I might be happy to be measured against it. In the meantime, there are many factors that reduce the possibility of that perfect result. At Ultras, we're big on individual preparedness, and we put significant effort into attendees not only being ready, but significantly invested in the program. However, there are some days when I wonder if we're putting our emphasis in the wrong place, as the impact of a manager in the engagement of their direct reports in a development program seems just as significant. Many enthusiastic people seem to have their engagement dampened by their manager. Non-attendance at pre-programmed events because the boss demands they attend a meeting. No encouragement to try new practices. No developmental feedback outside of an annual run-through of the organization's standard appraisal tick sheet. No support for stepping into high-risk projects to learn and test themselves. No developmental role swaps or role sharing within or without the organization. No advocacy on behalf of their direct report's potential. The list is long, and the message is often clearly, you can do all that development stuff as long as you still deliver the results I need when I need them. And yet there are few of us who haven't had someone help us in our career. Mentors who have steered us on our path, or bosses who took a punt and went out on a limb to give us a chance to succeed. Organizations such as the Corporate Leadership Council have studies that show how engagement of leaders in the development of their direct reports actually increases the success of the leader themselves. Even on Twitter, you'll see tweets advocating that leaders develop leaders, not followers. Inadvertently following the work of Noel Titchy, who talks about leaders having teachable points of view. Yet degrees of involvement and engagement in development of direct reports vary significantly across many organizations. Virtually everybody understands the concept of 70-20-10, where 70% of learning is best done through work experiences. But many people seem to go no further than that. In other words, hearing they will learn on the job, ignoring the impact of leader as coach, leader as guide, leader as the font of experience in that workplace learning experience. At Altris, we often measure preparedness of our coaches and program attendees with the aim of correlating their commitment and readiness with their eventual outcomes and success measures. I've been thinking that we need to measure their manager's engagement too and see where they lie on a sliding scale between I've sent them on a training course, over to you, and I actively advocate for their promotion to more testing roles, will mentor and coach them through this learning engagement, so I want to know what they will be doing and see their eventual departure from my division as a success. Any of you leaders prepared to be measured on that sliding scale? 
You just listened to the posts titled, It All Starts With Recruitment, and Make or Break, A Manager's Role in Developing Others, both by Martin Fenwick of altris.co.nz. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. And one of the things I really love about Indeed is that it filters out those incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com startup. So just go to indeed.com startup right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com startup. Terms and conditions apply. And a big thank you to Martin and the folks at Altris for these posts today. Altris is all about releasing potential within teams and their leaders to deliver sustainable results for organizations. What they specialize in is leadership development and executive coaching. And Martin, who you heard from today, is an executive coach himself and believes that change starts with leaders and organizational change needs leaders to change. So he challenges those leaders to look at themselves and help them understand how they think so that they can be the most they can be. So thanks again to Martin for his wisdom today, and you can swing by altruist.co.nz to learn a lot more. And that's gonna wrap up this episode of OSD. I thank you as always for being here with me, and I'll see you back here tomorrow, where your optimal life awaits.